All right, so if you have your handout, we'll start there on the first page. And uh, what I'd like us to think about is the current and proposed order of the sections of the Statement of Faith. So we're not necessarily talking about removing any of the sections. We're talking about whether it's possible to reorganize some of these sections to make the flow a little clearer or to add in anything that might be lacking. And so obviously, uh, scriptures, uh, and as far as the title, uh, we could put scriptures, we could put the Bible, either one would be a legitimate uh, phrase to use. Uh, any questions on that first one? Yeah, okay. Uh, the second one, right now it's the true God. I think it would be helpful to change the title to the triune God. The reason that I think that that would be helpful is that I would envision, if you look at the next couple of sections, right now there's true God, Holy Spirit, and then you jump down a few to virgin birth. My thought would be that if we have a section just on who God is, God is a spirit, God is three in one, and then God the Father, who He is, what He does, God the Son, who He is, what He does, and God the Spirit, who He is and what He does. I think it would be helpful to break the sections down in that way. Any thoughts, discussion, disagreements with laying it out that way? Okay. Okay. Uh, and then there's also the question of whether we include a section on angels. There's not currently a section on angels in uh, the statement as it stands, not specifically anyway, and that's typically where one would address, for example, uh, the question of Satan and who he is, and so I think it might be helpful to add a section along those lines. Any, any reason you think that we shouldn't do that? or yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there's the question of whether you put creation next or whether creation is a subset of the doctrine of man, I tended to think that it is connected with the idea of people. If, if man is the highest of God's creation, so to speak, and if, um, if uh, I mean, I suppose we could dispute whether it's man or angels, but if we treat angels in a separate category, I would think in connection with man we could address issues like uh, creation, uh, marriage, gender, and sexuality, and then obviously um, I see I failed to copy over sanctity of life. That would be one that we would want to include there as well. Because those are all, all related. Where did people come from? Why is life important? And then how, what's the nature in which God created us? I think all those things are kind of tied together. Yes? Yeah. Uh, it's certainly possible to do that. Um, yeah, it, I, I do have it at the end, so I, I, it's, again, that would be a judgment call of whether we would put it under uh, man or whether we would put it under the end times. Um, both would be legitimate. Um, I think the final resurrection would be more closely tied with the end times, so maybe that would make sense to put it there. Uh, 
So, uh, and uh, in case, there's also the question of sin or the fall of man. I put an equal sign so you know that that would be the same thing. Uh, sin is such a significant part of our lives that it's typically something that's been put under a separate heading and discussed in some detail. So I think that it would be helpful to do that as well, even though it is tied to the question of man, but there's also the reality that the angels sin too, particularly Satan. So I think that it makes sense to leave that as its own heading. Uh, virgin birth, in case it was not clear, would go up under God the Son. Uh, salvation, not just the way of salvation, but the whole topic broadly, I think includes under it justification, sanctification, uh, glorification, which would be tied into the perseverance of the saints, Perseverance of the saints could go under the end times. I think it fits in nicely with salvation because it would be justification, sanctification, glorification, and those are all, all, all tied in together. Uh, I suppose that there could be some measure of argument whether you put the church before or after salvation, but I do think that uh, sin and salvation are closely linked, so it probably makes sense to have those back to back. Uh, under the topic of the church, you would have baptism and the Lord's Supper, what the church does as far as ordinances, missions, what we do as far as outreach, uh, the Lord's Day, uh, finances. Uh, connected with this, I would also like to see, I, I think we would include all of these concepts, but I would also like to see a more full addressing of the other things that the church is supposed to do. So the church is supposed to make disciples, of which missions is certainly, uh, I mean, there's just different ways to organize that topic, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So I think that that would be a section that we'd want to, we'd want to make sure that we include the existing topics, but there's probably some other things that we would want to add as well. And then um, you have the believer's walk, which would be included under salvation because that is connected with sanctification. Resurrection and return of Christ, I would move down toward the end and connect it with the end times. Um, I already mentioned missions, finances. Uh, righteous and the wicked is also a topic connected with the end times. And so I think if we reorganized it under those main headings, obviously some of those sections will be longer than others. Perhaps we could break them down and have separate paragraphs for some of those subtopics. But I think at least that structure would be helpful in terms of organizing those ideas. Is there any, are there any other topics that you think might be lacking or need to be added in? Sure. 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 Yes. Sure. You're right. Sure. Right, right. What I'm trying to do is show you that I'm not throwing out the things that are existing. I'm just showing you how we'd be reincorporating them and potentially in a different structure. Uh, because I think that it's important to the extent that's possible for us to have continuity with what's been the doctrinal statement of the church for, as far as I know, several, a number of decades. I don't know exactly when the current revision of it was put forth, but uh, Mike's not in here to give us insight on that, so I don't know. But... 
Anyway, so all right, so that's the that's the proposed order, uh, and then I, uh, as Jonathan pointed out, we're, probably our challenge is going to be less: do we have enough, and more are we saying too much? Because again, the challenge is the more specific that you are, the more restrictive it is on on who you're saying can and cannot join the church. And probably a significant question that we have to address connected with these ideas is. What if someone doesn't understand one of these topics? Do you let someone join the church in a provisional sense? Do you say you can't join it until you understand it? That, that's a tension. Because, I mean, I've been reading through the book of Acts a lot lately, and it seems that there was a very quick succession of believe the word, baptized, added to the church. It doesn't seem to be a lapse of weeks or months, possibly even a lapse of days, it seems that it was a fairly immediate thing. And we could have discussion about differences between then and now and so forth, but I do think that we don't want to set the bar of entry so high that it requires someone to wait a year or more before they can become a part of the church. I also think that we have a responsibility to guard the uh, truth and the unity of the church and not be careless about it. Do you have a further thought on that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, just historical setting, the two things that I want to guard against was in, I think it was the Presbyterian denominations particularly, I think there was an instance in the Baptist denominations as well, when there was this sort of idea that people would agree to the doctrinal statement with reservations. And that basically meant, yeah, I don't believe a bunch of these things, but I'm going to say that I do because I want to have some, you know, be a... a pastor might not be the word that they would have used in their specific denomination, but they said, you know, I want to have this position of authority, so I'm going to say that I agree with it, but I have reservations. But they were never required to say what their reservations were. They were never required to deal with those things. Certainly someone in a position of leadership should obviously be in very uh, in agreement with these things in detail. I think, you know, that it's just the challenge of you have people who maybe someone has no exposure to the Bible. If they came in and they said, I don't understand what all these things are, but I'm willing to learn and understand them, and to the extent that I understand them right now, I agree with them, I would be okay with adding that person to membership to the church with the understanding that it's, at some point you came to disagree with these, the honorable, the right thing to do would be to say, if I can't come to an understanding of this, if I can't come to agreement with this, then I will withdraw myself or recognize that I will be withdrawn. And that's, I think, the challenge. We don't want to ever have that conversation with someone. And so it's just, it's just some of these things we have to think about related to membership. Yes? So, I mean, can we say that the two reasons that they might have any type of reservation would be to be ignorant or they were taught something different? Right. Then it, like Sanders said, I think that does become our responsibility to help them to understand those things. 
Sure. Um, I think where there's maybe they've experienced different teaching, right. and that's something that we probably want to tiptoe around, or you know, take our time on, I guess I should say. Sure. To hash out whatever resolutions they're making. It might come to the point where, again, if, if, if they believe different um, perseverance of the saints, or right. uh, Right. I guess one more thought connect with that. That's a very good breakdown. I think that that's something that would be a helpful framework for us to think through in terms of if somebody comes in and they've got really firm beliefs that are in contradiction on some of these central points, then I think we'd have to say, let's talk further about this. If they just say, I'm a new Christian, I have no idea, then yes, certainly talk through some of these things. And, and there's going to be people that have been saved for 20 years that don't understand all these things. Sure, sure. So. Right, 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 yeah. So let me build off of that real quick. I think there's potentially at least three different levels of importance with regards to doctrines. You could probably think about, break it down in different ways, but is Jesus God and man? Central to the gospel, you don't believe that, you're not going to heaven, you don't have a relationship with God. Baptism impacts a lot of the way that you do church. Is the church made up of believers or just made up of people who've been connected with it through baptism? That one's significant, but not quite on the same level as is Jesus, God, and man. So I'd probably put that in a second level. The amount, method, and manner of giving is significant. I mean, God went after the Israelites pretty significantly about it in Malachi. So it's not that it's unimportant, but I don't think that if someone... I, I, don't, think that you, I don't think you should put it on the same level as the deity and humanity of Christ. I'm not sure it's quite on the same level as something like baptism, but it's still important, I think, that we should include it. So I think as we go through these things, we have to recognize that there is a measure of difference in the importance of those things. So connected with that, uh, did someone else have something else they wanted to add? Yes, Red. So... Yes, the form may not be identical. So, for example, because of the nature of those who've been interested in joining since I became the pastor and scheduling conflicts and those sorts of things, it just didn't work for us to say we're going to take two hours on a Saturday. So it was more like let's set up a time and talk through some of these things. And I think the practical reality is everybody's in a different spot. Some people are well aware of all these things. They've been in church for a number of years. Some people, there's a lot of... of a larger gap in, in understanding church and, and all those sorts of things. And so I don't know that it's necessarily a one-size-fits-all. It's going to be a two-hour class on a Saturday. But I do think, yes, I, I think that there would certainly be, in my mind, there would be a conversation, whether it's a class or a meeting between myself and those who want to join, to make them sure they're clear on the general outlines of what it means to be a member here. Then there's the meeting with the deacons, and then there's the vote by the membership. So that, uh, yes, I would agree we continue that. So.
All right, so getting back to my point of um, how specific we are on things, turn to the next page, which is what is the Bible. And uh, I don't think we're going to necessarily finish this today, so we'll just pick it up next week. But I just wanted to at least lay it out in front of you so that we can have a, something to discuss from. So if you look at the last phrase of the proposed statement on the Bible, interpretation of the Bible should follow a literal, historical, and grammatical method, giving careful attention to the context of passages. I think that that's something that we should certainly do. The question is, does that need to be in our statement of faith? I could see it both ways because someone may have come from a, uh, for lack of a better word, a, a Pilgrim's Progress kind of perspective on the Bible where there's a lot of symbolism and allegory and those sorts of ideas, and it may take some time for them to be persuaded of a different approach to studying the Scripture. So I'm not sure that that is helpful in that respect. And again, I, there are... There are people who would take an approach that would disagree with that phrase in brackets, who I think are, are good Christians going to heaven, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that they're approaching Scripture in an unwise manner, but I'm not prepared to say that they're not Christians because of it. And so that's my hesitation. And so as we go through this, my, point, my reason in pointing that out is there's going to be phrases that I put in brackets, things that I think we want to discuss. Do we include this? Do we not include this? and so on. So before we get to that though, let's come back to the beginning of the statement. I've got the uh, statement as it exists, and then I've got the proposed statement. The proposed statement is longer both because it has verses behind it and because there's a few things that I think we want to try to add in a little bit. So the first phrase, God has revealed himself sufficiently and finally to mankind in the 66 books of the Protestant canon from Genesis to Revelation. So, any thoughts on the phrasing of that, things that are unclear, things that we should perhaps say differently in regards to that first phrase? My reason for doing that is, as we've talked about, there is uh, a Catholic influence in this area, and so I think it would be important to emphasize that it's the, the Protestant canon, not the Apocrypha and the other books that the Catholic Bible would include. So, yeah, I mean, we say our goal is to make it understanding. My goal, when I say we need to make it understandable, I think that there are theological or even a historical theology issue that we would be willing to explain I just want to make sure, generally speaking, it's clear. So I'm willing to say that there's a different way to phrase it, certainly. Yes? I think canon is, is a great word because similar to, like we talked a couple weeks ago about sanctification. Right. Yeah, that's a difficult word, but it's important because that's the word that accurately describes what, we're, what the Bible is talking about. So I think canon does the same thing. While people might not be familiar with it, it encapsulates. Right, right. And, and just so you know, this is not the final draft. This is, we've talked about it some. I've tried to incorporate some of our discussion when we first discussed it. And we'll probably have another discussion about it, I'm sure, before we would have any kind of a final agreement on it. 
And in connection with that, I would encourage you during this week, I'm going to give you homework. I know, you know, getting back to school time, and some of you have been out of school for a long time, so you're not in the habit of it. But it's good for all of us, I think, to have homework from time to time. Look up the passages, see if it supports the phrase, see if there's another verse that supports the phrase better, or in addition to. And again, you could support a number of these from a number of verses. So I'm not saying these are the only verses, just are these good verses to support these ideas. All right, uh, next phrase. From beginning to end, this revelation progressively unfolds the plan of God. Now, we could pause it there, uh, but I think it's significant that it's a progressive unfolding. The reason that that's significant is um, you have even the verses that are behind it. Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head. Galatians 4.4, that uh, God sent uh, his son, born of a woman, born under the law, if I remember the phrase correctly. And then 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 to 10 is what we've looked at just a few weeks ago, which includes the ideas both of salvation for God's people and judgment for those who oppose Him. I think that that sums up what Scripture is about more completely than just saying the Bible is about salvation. Certainly, salvation is a significant part of it, but I think it's God saving His people God judging his enemies, God being glorified in both. I think it incorporates all those elements. Yes? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Certainly. Any further thoughts on that phrase, Paul? Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, let me let me just throw this out. Let me just throw this out. If the if the heading of the section is the Bible, do we need to put the word Bible in the section? I'm not I'm not saying you don't have a good point. If we put the heading what it's about, then will people know that we're talking about the Bible? That, that's where I was coming from, and I could be wrong on that. So. If I said from beginning to end the Bible instead of this revelation, would that address your concern to some extent? Or if we just add 
like finally mankind in the 66 books of the Bible. In the Bible, which is the 66 books of the church, you know, what yeah. like that, but then, then any reference to it is, Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And that was. Yeah. Well, my my point was to try to give the idea that all these things are synonymous: Protestant canon, this revelation, the Bible. But uh, you know, I'm certainly not gonna. It's not gonna be a problem if we use the phrase more often. So. Well, but it might be helpful to think through that because that's what we're shooting for is making sure that it's clear. I mean, you do the same thing in a will. Here's all the components of it, okay, or a, any kind of agreement, whatever, so. Yes, Norma. Right. You're saying, should we start with that statement? Um, we certainly could. I think the reason we would put the, consider putting the Bible first in the statement of faith would be the... Are you saying include that reference? Or are you saying first topic? Uh, as the first topic, okay. Um, so I think that the way that people have looked at this is there's a question of what's your source of authority. And talking about the Bible before we talk about these other things is saying, how do we know truth? Because if you don't agree that the Bible is the place that we know truth, we, right, then we can't really start with Genesis. At the same time, pushing back from the other direction is that we're not going to argue people into believing that the Bible is true either. So I don't think it would be bad to start with Genesis 1.1. I think that... We'll get very quickly into that subject when we get to who God is. And I think because the Bible is the foundation of the way that we know all these things, I think that's why we have the Bible first in the list of, in the list of topics. But I'll, I'll give that some more thought. Yes. Oh, sure. Okay. So in what you were just saying, Jonathan, you're saying God has revealed himself sufficiently and finally in the 66 books of... Are you saying leave the canon or replace it with the Bible? So you're saying in the next sentence, from the beginning to end, the Bible... Okay. Sure. Okay. 
Sure, sure. Which I guess raised in my mind the question of should we put the statement that the Bible is the word of God without error even earlier in the paragraph because that would kind of be connected with that idea. Okay. So we think it would be better if we move the Bible as the word of God to the first sentence potentially. Okay. Yep. Yep. And that's why it's good for more than one person to look at this. So. <laughs> okay. All right. So I think that that would probably solve some of our issues, and then we might want to potentially. Um, so if we say the Bible is the word of God and without error. Okay, sure. And I think the idea of, uh, of the Bible, God's Word, progressively reveals, I like the idea of that. I think that makes it clearer. Because I think, um, not to jump on your word too much, but I think details is like explains, and reveals or unfolds is more of an idea of you see more of it as you like open up the parts of it. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we're happy with that phrase. The Bible is the Word of God. We're going to talk about moving into the beginning. Come to the next phrase. Because God is its author, the Bible has the authority over every aspect of life and is the standard by which every thought, word, and action must be evaluated. I think that that would tie into supreme standard for human conduct, creeds, and opinions, as well as reveals the principles by which God will judge us possibly brings in the idea of the true center of Christian union, although it might not do that sufficiently. So I was trying to pull in those three ideas in that statement. Thoughts, things that are lacking? Yes, Sandra. Okay. Right. Right. That's what I'm trying to do with the sentence I just read, but it may not be, it certainly could probably be improved upon. Any suggestions along those lines? Yes. So two, two words come to my mind that I think we might want to include. Okay. Unity. Okay. How, the, how through Scripture we are united. And then the fact that the Bible does not contradict itself. And I think too many people, even believers who are immature, believe that the Bible contradicts itself. Sure. So, I don't know if this is the exact place to do that, but just thinking about the rest of the thoughts that are gathered here, sure. outlining this is what the Bible is doing, those two things jump in my head like, you might want to clarify those two 
Yeah, but I don't know that, that people will automatically gather what Bob just said from without error. It certainly could be explained. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. I see. My only hesitation with doing so is it's not just the standard for the Christian life, it's the standard for everybody. I mean, that's the whole thing about the Holy Spirit's going to judge the world. He's going to do so on the basis of what God has said and the fact that they've rejected God's word, or as Paul said in Second Thessalonians 1, to punish those who don't obey the gospel. So it's, it's a requirement upon everyone to obey it, not just Christians. That's my only hesitation with doing that. you're saying to leave it as is or to change it? Close well. Okay. 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 Did you have a further thought? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we'll get to that later on. I don't think we're going to... And this is part of the whole discussion. I don't think it's... We're not going to include that. I think it might fit better under the, the question of sanctification. Because if you have a proper view of sanctification, uh, for example, a verse like uh, 1 Peter 1, 13, Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. If you include a verse like that, I think it's pretty clear that you can't say, I'll do whatever I want whenever I want if I'm a Christian. So... I think that that's that. I think that might be a better place, perhaps, to uh, to address that particular issue. So, um, I will make a note of that to that effect, so that as we come up to that point, that we we get back to it. Um, I do think the the basis of Christian unity. I do think maybe we could use a phrase along those lines. I'm trying to think where in here that might fit well. The second to last paragraph Okay. You know, it says God preserved his word for the present day through a multitude of copies of the original manuscripts, which is translated in various legitimate versions. I wonder if um, the it does not contradict itself might fit there. Okay. Right. It's you know, figurative and metaphorical and symbolic and where it's meant to be, and so that's where the context is in. So <clears throat> I think it's very important to point that out because unfortunately there are a lot of people that think the Bible is just stories and they're made up people and they're not real. Sure. 
All right, so let me, let me just hop in here, because there's two separate issues that are going on. I agree with both of you in, in some extent. So there's two separate issues that are going on. The first issue is, is the Bible actual history, which I think is essential to recognize, because I think that's part of where that's coming from. If it's not actual history, Paul's argument in Romans 5 is undermined, so on and so forth. I think we're going to deal with that in the section on creation. I think where Paul's coming from is, if somebody walks in and all they've ever heard is inspirational messages with Bible verses sprinkled on top and or an approach that says, when I look at the, this parable, I'm supposed to find all of these hidden meanings in it or whatever else, is that something that they can grow in discipleship on? Um, and So here's the long-term tension. If someone walks in and says, I don't agree with that phrase as it stands, and they don't come to agree with that phrase at that stands, this is not going to be the place for them because that's the method that I'm going to be used for preaching. That's my goal anyway. Um, what's that? Right. Then that comes back to our discussion of do we use a word like canon and explain it or do we not include it, you know? So... I think we should either use the word should or take the phrase out because I think if we, if we water it down to the extent that it's like, this is kind of the best way, but maybe not, why put it in there, you know? Right, 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 yeah. All right, so let's add that to your homework. Think about that over the next week. <laughs> yes. And just to illustrate that, I know that uh, Kelly was in a Bible study a while back, and I looked over some of the materials, and the lady that wrote the Bible study, I think, meant well, but her approach was essentially, here's all the things that were going on in my past, 
and here's how this verse sort of spoke to me, and so this is what it means. And so the, obviously that's reading back into the text what's not there, and then it's, you know, like, like uh, Peter's feed my sheep, you know. Who has God called you to feed the sheep in your congregation or whatever? And it's kind of like, well, he did say that specifically to Peter, so that's not a general command for everybody for all time. And so, you know, I think that, that is a, that's a danger. Let me come back to you, Evan. Yeah. Pray. Pray. Yeah. Yeah. I here's my is as we go back and forth on it, my the direction I'd be leaning is I'd rather have this in here and have to explain it some than not have it in here. Um but good, Bob. Mm-hmm. And most people might not be familiar with that, but that is a word worth explaining. Yes, potentially. I'm not sure that it's on the same weight as... I know where you're coming from with it. I'm, I'm not sure if it's on the same level as sanctification or even canon from the perspective of uh, if you use the word univocable, here's what people are going to say. They're going to say, oh, that's a dispensationalist construct, etc., 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 and you're going to get in all sorts of arguments about that. If you say, uh, well, let me rephrase it. If there are people who are not, who wouldn't consider themselves dispensationalists who would agree with the phrase of literal, historical, and grammatical. They might potentially redefine it, but I think that that is the key thing. I think that the goal would be that someone would come to recognize, for example, with a prophecy, that it doesn't mean three different things. It meant one thing there, God changed it, and now it means this other thing here. I think we, we should get to a point where we recognize that. Again, I think that might be getting so far down into the, the details that it's not helpful at the level of statement of faith. And so I think that that's an excellent idea to explain. I'm not sure that I'd be comfortable with putting something that specific here in a phrase uh, on the subject of scriptures. Yes. If we leave it in, yeah. Places, yeah. Then the word should have to be taken. Because we're not saying it should, we're saying it must. I see. Gotcha. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Take out the should. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Okay, any further thoughts about the whole paragraph? Yes, Evan. Yes.
I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose that that ties in a Second Peter one twenty one. The drawback would be that I just say because God is its author, as opposed to because God is its author by means of holy men or something like that. You know, then that I, I see how that is lacking. Any suggestions for how we could incorporate that idea? Yes. Okay. I do think that there is definitely a lot of disagreement on how that works, right? Some people. Inspiration or preservation, or both? Inspiration. Okay. I, I think inspiration, particularly. Yeah. Like, did God put the thought into man's head and he wrote it, or did God say, hey, write about this and just put it in your own words. You know what I mean? So I think that there's maybe a little bit of confusion and argument how that works. And is it the most vital thing? Probably not, but definitely an area of disagreement. We could say God authored the Bible using holy men guided by his spirit, something along those lines, and split that phrase where it says, because God is his author. So say the thing about God and man as the author there, and then um, as a result, the Bible has authority over every aspect of life, or something like that. Right, right, right. Right, right. And just as a quick review, I don't think that the Bible was dictated, and I don't think it was free-handed. I think it was God made sure that the words and ideas that were recorded were the words that should be there, but he also did it sort of flowing through the personalities and experiences and all of those other things of the, the people he wrote through. All right. think so. That's an interesting... Right. That's a good question. I mean, some people have the idea that... Well, we won't get into that, so... Yeah, yeah. All right. I will think about how to word that phrase about God authors his words by holy men or something like that. And, and I suppose it raises the question of who wrote Hebrews, because there's those who say Priscilla did, so... All right, let's wrap up there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the good discussion that we've had about these truths. I pray that we would continue to have a profitable um, look at your word as we move forward, that you would be honored in these things. In Christ's name, amen. All right, bring this back with you next week so that I don't know.